0: You're listening to the Driven Bay Design Podcast. Today we're doing a conversation with Bob Neville from New Balance. G'day Bob. G'day Mark, how are you going? Welcome to Hong Kong. Thank you very much for taking some time to talk to us. We're going to have a conversation which is all around the retail experience, yep. and particularly the New Balance product. Yeah. And we've chosen a, a high ambient noise environment because that's, <laughs> that's what retail's about, isn't it? Yep. They're, they're never quiet places. Yep. There's a buzz and there's excitement. And so listeners, if you've got a little bit of background noise, that's because we're in retail, and yeah. that's what retail's about.
1: It's, uh, I mean, to, to have have a conversation where we are here in, in Hong Kong. Um, yeah, it's it's a very vibrant city. Um, people are always out and about, so it's it's very indicative of, of the dynamic nature of the Asian market. And obviously, from Hong Kong, you can you can reach a large percentage of the world's population. So a great a great place to be based, and uh, really exciting from a retail perspective.
0: Now, Bob, I, as we were doing our little pre-discussion uh, uh, today, I was actually getting this feeling that, that I was cool when I was about 14 because I was wearing New Balance shoes back then. Okay? So, so, I thank you for helping me feel that I was cool when I was 14. There weren't many things that were making me feel that way.
1: Yeah, I think um, the, the interesting thing as well with that, Mark, is that probably as well those with the interest in lifestyle products... Um, you'll probably find that there's young people now wearing those shoes when you were 14 that are even cool today so um, you stick those shoes on again today and you'll still be cool.
0: Oh fantastic Now You've explained to two very interesting uh, hemispheres of the new balance world there's there's a lifestyle product there but there's yeah. also the performance product yeah and the performance product as you were describing it to me is all about athlete um equipment yeah. uh, so so the athletes only got one set of knees only one set of ankles yeah, exactly. one set of hips and that's where their money comes from so whether they're cricketers or baseball or uh, uh track athletes yeah they need this shoe to perform for them, and, and so you're, inscribe, you're describing to me a thing called volumental. Can you help yeah. uh, for the listeners explain what is the volumental process that you got?
1: Yeah, I mean that's 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 yeah, you know, that's real cutting edge um, technology to measure people's feet, and I'll I'll come to that. But just just to sort of go back in time a little bit, I mean the key thing with who we are as a brand is about creating products that help people move and perform better. So. We go back to 1906, and you know, our origins, and you could sort of tell from our name, was the New Balance Arch Company. And we, we basically uh, were founded by an English immigrant who noticed how people, or chickens, walked with perfect balance with their three toes. And he invented the arch support, which today sounds like pretty sort of like, blah, sort of common, common thing. But back in the day, he was hand-making arch supports that were costing the same amount of money as the shoes people were putting into them. But if you think people walked in those days or there was horse and carriage, it wasn't like today. So if your shoes weren't fitting properly, you know it impacted your knees, your hips, your whole life. And so the starting point for us has always been about enhancing people's movement and the, and the fit of people's feet in their shoes. Bring it right up to speed with volumental and Stride ID no longer do you need to sort of stand there with your foot on an old aluminium contraption called the Branick device. And on,
0: that's one of my greatest childhood memories. So you know, <laughs> I'd go in there and, and and it's interesting that some shoe stores are still using the same there's, machine that was has been there for 50 plus
1: years. There's there's a lot of stores still use that use that, but um, it's it's a tried and tested product. Um, but you know today's technology now with with new uh, balance and the volumental system You stand barefoot on a platform, you have four cameras that then digitally um, film and analyze your feet. So once you come off the Volumental Machine, you have a 3D digital representation of your feet, not just length and width, but the whole volume. So we can then better fit the right shoes onto your feet.
0: So that's particularly useful for people who are trying to go get a unique fit for their unique foot, for their unique form of professional sport. How does that apply for your weekend athlete? Does it work for them?
1: Well, again, it comes back to our core beliefs, which is, which is about having shoes that fit properly and, and having footwear that's available in widths. And that's something that you know, our, our ownership have always been very um, strong on, is that you know, we are about good-fitting shoes. And um, so Volumental is not just something that appears in our sports science labs it appears on the high street so you know you can now see volumental through our global flagship stores in London and Milan and elsewhere but also through um, our let's say standard branded locations around the world so the man on the street can go in there and be properly measured for a pair of shoes and then be fitted with the right pair of shoes and, and know that if he pronates those shoes are going to be the right shoes for him because this isn't just about performance athletes we take those learnings, we take those, you know, the technology, but we, we make that as a core foundation to what we do. Uh, it's almost like you could say, like Formula One racing and Mercedes. You know, they 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 live and, and they test their technologies on in, on the racetrack, yep. but you know, the everyday man gets to live it through the technology in the car. So, yeah, because you, you
0: mentioned before a, a shoe model, the 574, yeah. that used to be a performance model, uh, yeah. you know, a couple of decades ago, and now is actually a lifestyle model for, for most people. So you've got this longevity with the shoe models that I haven't heard of in a sportswear company before.
1: Yeah, you know, I think, it, again, it, it's, it's um, you know, our, our foundation is, the you know, the development design of performance, um, sports shoes you know our core is in running but you know you can you can now see the benefit of performance we bring through a whole host of sports but yeah our, our back catalogue if you like um, of performance running shoes now again you know, get discovered by younger generations that are wearing them out um, you know to, to parties and out you know, socializing and that's that's great to see um, obviously materials and technologies now versus 10, 20 years ago have distinctly evolved, but um, you wouldn't necessarily call them a performance shoe now, but extremely popular.
0: And one of the things I liked when we were discussing before it, it seems that the personality of the brand is more like an English brand than an American brand in that it, it doesn't name check everybody who wears their shoes. You, you were mentioning some people that, you know, historical significant figures in the United States who have worn the shoes but you haven't tried to leverage them as a brand and just accept okay that's their shoes of choice if people are noticing that so be it you're not so much a hype machine you're more about people's understanding of the value of wearing the shoe
1: yeah I, I think um, you know, all brands have their, their own way of operating their own brand personalities um, the thing that I love specifically about New Balance and, and the New Balance family is just um, not not just you know the integrity of the people that are there, um, you know the incredible ownership of Jim and Ann Davis, but, but just the fact that if like we 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 can have a, a, a quiet self confidence. It's it's not something where you know, the person that shouts the loudest is necessarily the best out there. And um, so I think you know, when you look that we've we've been in existence for 111 years, and you look at the lifespan of a lot of other sports brands, um, <laughs> the, the brand has been going and helping people move better for a hell of a lot of years before even some of the current big name brands even came into existence. So. Um, you know, it's 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 being appropriate in terms of endorsements and, and uh, getting shoes on athletes, but at the same time, it's it's not about who's going to pay you the most amount of money. Yeah,
0: know. and and we were talking about that as this um, navigating your own way as a brand, where you've got uh, two major contemporaries in the marketplace, where it seems. Every expression they have is a bit more hype pumping up the balloon of their, their reputation rather than building what, what seems almost like an under-the-radar brand, which is with a, a set of people who don't need to be loud and they don't need to be obvious. What they want is something that actually represents some values for the big performance or lifestyle there. So it, that's an interesting way of you know, navigating your own path, which means your retail shops aren't responding every two minutes or five minutes to what's happening to your contemporary you're you're in your own game
1: I think it I think when you have that sort of approach I mean it's every everybody loves a bit of hype and excitement I mean sport is is an exciting thing to be involved with and you know when you look at some of the more recent recent sort of boxing matches in in uh, Vegas I mean that's all about hype And, and people like that um, so we all get involved in that to some degree but we as, we as human beings I think we're also underneath it all generally skeptical of too much hype and you, you know we as human beings like things that are genuine and authentic and have integrity and um, what what I see in other areas of our activity is you know the way we get approached by athletes, the way our, you know, athletes want to work with us or the way that we, we sort of see sporting event properties wanting to get involved with us
0: and and you've got some incredible penetration in the baseball world which uh you know even with some of the baseball players that that have a um, brand sponsorship that they're putting the other brand on the outside of your shoe and that, that's a phenomenal position to be in
1: well i think it i think you know again you know our sports marketing and our product development guys you know we've got some incredible incredible people and um you know when you look at Um, what we do in the field of baseball and cricket. Um, Coming out of an English background, I don't really get baseball, I get cricket a little bit more. But again, you've got individuals in our organization that have been professional athletes. They understand the sport, they understand the needs of the equipment, the footwear. And so when I look at the incredible work that's gone on in cricket, um, the sort of properties that have come to us and we're now involved with in cricket, it represents, I think, the, the truth that our product performs and the athletes know that they will get a level of service and, and quality of product that will enhance their performance that they couldn't get any anywhere else. Um, because we're not out there just sponsoring thousands and thousands of people, that's not what we're about. But again, in, you know, in baseball, some incredible leadership within our organization, um, but yeah, we, we have a lot of athletes out there on you know, the baseball pitches wearing our product, and yeah, we, we we do a lot of work with people that aren't necessarily our athletes, but appreciate the performance of the product.
0: Okay, so we've we've got a really good setting in the, in the last ten or twelve minutes of the New Balance brand, and the the fact that you've got your own personality, you're not you're not trying against your two largest contemporaries, you're not running their race, you're running your own own race. Tell me how that that eventuates or how that gets realized from a retail experience. Because as you mentioned, you've got flagship stores. Yeah. I've been here in Hong Kong, I've gone past um, um, smaller stores which, are, which feel like they may yet to be upgraded. Listeners, uh, Bob is smiling at me like, don't mention that store. No, 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 I am mentioning a store because that's probably yeah. on, on, on a path somewhere. And then there will also be um, concessions or yeah. stores in stores that you've got how many different models of, of retail experience to go are you running for your customers at the moment you know is there four or five that you're pushing out into the market I
1: think it's it's um, you, you must have been asked to tell ta- you yeah, ask me that told to ask me that question by my boss I'm sure but um, <laughs> no we haven't spoken yet <laughs> I think it's I think Yeah, there was real interesting conversations I've been having over the last couple of days. You know, people talk about millennials and all sorts of things, and um, when you have global responsibility, um, it's a really interesting thing to have responsibility for. Because the reality is, is that I'm dealing with a company and a brand that's 111 years old, and if I look at um, the the sort of consumer and let's say legacy retail that you can see in parts of uh, North America and then you look at uh, you know, that so we in North America we have a lot of like the sit and fit customer you know people come along with um, almost like a prescription from a doctor to you know, go and get some new balance shoes because they'll help with your backache and everything And we will have customers over there that are 80 years old um, when you come into somewhere like Korea um, you know our, our customer is typically early 20s and a very high female percentage. So when you put that sort of context together and you look from a global perspective, it's almost like an ongoing conveyor belt. There's locations in the world that are sort of like, um, let's just say, not as good as perhaps they could be, but they'll either get upgraded or they'll fall off our our portfolio.
0: Yeah, and and that's part of the, the challenge of running a store network. Is that even in company-owned stores, you're going to have ones which are recently refreshed, and there's ones which are furthest down the list to be refreshed. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's making sure that you're trying to go deliver a consistent consistent customer experience, whether it's through merchandising that point of sale that you're yeah. adding in, into an old store, or whether it's actually that you've got the new store platform there to to make it deliver. So, I. I, I to me, it would be one of the hardest, you know, designed experiences that I can imagine because yeah. you, you've got an inconsistent platform to to make sure that you're pushing out your point of sale, the merchandising, campaigning material a, against recently renovated, last in the list yeah. of renovated.
1: I think it's it's also as well you know when you look at us as a brand, 111 years. Um, let's just say it's probably only in the recent eight to ten years that the companies started to look at retail and and get more involved in retail so we've we've had you know 90 odd percent of our history has been about um, designing and making great products and then wholesaling products so for us you know getting involved in retail you know is 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 and has been a big step forward Um, but there's a lot of muscles and learning that we need to continually bring on and learn and evolve. And that's where you know a large part of what I do and my colleagues do is, is the um, exploration, the, the development, the research. So you know we work on things now obviously that won't necessarily see the light of day for some time. Um, but every time we do something, we're always taking objective measurement. We're taking subjective views on things so that we can inject that back into the cycle of work that we you know, that we want to deliver.
0: And and I think uh, recently in the Hong Kong Design Awards you picked up two awards. One was for a Rapongi store yep. uh, that you've got, and you also picked up for your innovation centre, the Bird Centre that you've yep. got. Um, well, I was interested when uh, the judges were discussing the Bird Centre, it, it was, we, we can't show you exactly what we do here because <laughs> it's our innovation centre, but it's, you know, it was well described and you could say that it was a platform that enabled that innovation. Yeah. I suppose what I, I'd like to discuss a little bit was the Raponi store, it's got this very blank canvas, you know, you can tell it's, uh, there's a signature as, of the fit-out but it seems like it could be turned over on a very regular basis to have different expressions for different campaigns or activations.
1: Yeah, I mean, to, to talk to talk about um, the fit out that we put into Roppongi, the concept there, the concept's based around MA, which is a, a Japanese, I'm not sure the right way to say it, but a Japanese word, kanji, concept, which MA is the space between, the gap between. It's it's. If, if the listeners look it up they'll see a far better description than i've just given it but what we wanted to do with that that space and the ma concept is create something which it's both a event space and a retail space so when you look at um, the submission that's on the website you know, the driven by design website you'll see that all the fixtures and fittings are cube like that are on the floor they actually all fit into the wall, so nothing actually gets removed. All those fittings get fitted into the wall to then make the walls flush. So you've then got an event space with nothing there except the screen and whatever product you want to present. So, you know, MAR is about the space between. So I would say the MAR concept is, is really sort of is it about event and activation? Or is it about retail or is it about all of that? Because we've got to reflect the way consumers shop, the way consumers experience the brand. And what we find is that particularly with like say the lifestyle products and limited edition product, a lot of people know about stuff, you know, in minutes of something being not even launched in a store, but just being talked about. And you know, we will sell out of things very rapidly. So, you know, the community Let's say the sneaker community are very aware of the products that we have, so these locations you know, are about launching and, and what have you. So, yeah, that's that was designed to address a very specific need. Um, we've got the next location will open up in um, Times Square in Seoul um, at the beginning of November. Um, so, yeah, it's been it's been an interesting um, exercise, but not necessarily, let's say, conventional retail in, in the truest sense.
0: Yeah, and I, I really like the fact that you acknowledge the most brands didn't ever have contact with the customer. The, the closest they got to contact with the customer was called market research. Yeah, yeah. You know, we've thought about something, we've thrown it out there, we've found out whether it works or it doesn't work. And, and by having your own retail stores, you, you, from a design iteration perspective, you get much more control, you get much closer to yeah. their the end user's need there, and so that's been an interesting journey for a lot of brands, um, particularly the automotive sector. So, yeah. auto, The automotive sector, they didn't ever have contact with the brand, in fact if you go look at one of the challenges that Tesla has, Tesla are a brand that's selling direct to the customer, yeah. and there's actually legislation that doesn't allow the the automotive brands to sell direct there's yeah. meant to be a tier in between yeah so you know this is well entrenched in our, in our in our belief of how brands and retailing and customer experiences work yeah um you don't have that encumbrance but definitely taking those steps to learn how the customer works to understand what they want and working in a mixed channel yeah. environment
1: very important yeah, yeah. i, I I, I mean, people people talk a lot about physical and digital, and you know, digital is going to take business away from the brick retail and everything. And um, I I very strongly don't believe that. You know, I, I think it's it's an old way of thinking. You know, the whole sort of back in the day, you know, we're the brand, here's the endorsed athlete, now go and going buy their product. That's the thing of the past. I mean, now the consumer has the power you know, in their pocket with the iPhone and, and all that technology. And you know, brands, any business that wants to engage with people have to understand that and they, they have to make sure that they're engaging with the consumer wherever that consumer wants to engage. And that, that creates some interesting situations where you know, somebody could learn about a product online or visit a flagship store in one country and maybe buy the, actually buy the product, spend the dollars in a third country. And, and that creates quite a, an interesting situation inside a, you know, what? You, know, you have your finance, you have your IT, and it's just like, well, hang on a minute, you know, the money invested in the marketing was there, which activated and got that person interested, but the dollars spent were in the other geography. And so it, it makes it, you know, for me, I think that makes it a really interesting proposition. But I think that, we as human beings, particularly for us where we're about putting products on human you know, human bodies, it's about human beings and I, and I think that people can get very hung up about you know, millennials and all this type of thing, but you often hear you know, people talk about you know, Facebook and community and, and everything else. I, I look at technology and everything that's available to us now. And I just believe there are modern day iterations of things that we as human beings have always had and believed in, which is community. You know, whether you lived in a small village, it was about community. Now our communities can be virtual and include people from all around the world, but it's still a community. And I think the other aspect of it is, is storytelling. You know, we as human beings would sit around a fire and tell stories. Um, yeah, you know, stories, you know, brand stories, are what get people engaged. That's what people want to believe in and, and do believe in. But the way those stories get told now, are very instant, very quick. And um, so, you know, we've got to we've got to you know, acknowledge the fact that it's no longer about you know, an advertising agency sitting there and coming up with strap lines and all this above and below the line. But it's it's about enabling. Um, the the end users, the people that are into your brand, it's enabling them to generate content to engage with with your consumer. So the whole dynamic is is very multi point. It's no longer just this linear process. We tell you, you go and buy. It's it, it, it's really a starting point of you tell us this is who we are, but you tell us, and then let's let's reflect that.
0: So talk about the three emotional states of so the. Are rational, non-rational, and irrational. And when when I go see the way that marketing programs and brands are run, the, there's this rationality that comes into automating, systematizing youth marketing. Yeah. And and it's actually it's a buzz and it's a feel. It's not something which is a textbook platform. And every time I see a brand actually try to say, well, we've worked out, this is the model for the way that the young people work, and then I give a, a, a label, and there's obviously yeah. a string of consultants. They're, they're actually trying to go and paint by numbers rather than actually saying, have you got people who actually uh, resonate with this demographic, resonate with that market segment, yeah. and, and just be present and genuine with them. Don't try to have a playbook that you've yeah. actually bought from somebody else. And, and so that's where I think brands get stuck is that they, you've got to move people through various you know, ages in your company. Yep. But really going to have these maverick innovators who are probably coming more from the street than the university yep. when it comes to that youth marketing. Yep. And the consultants who are trying to tell you they've got a playbook yeah. Um, are probably actually doing you a disservice because yeah. you should be sensing the playbook of uh, being a natural at it, not just trying to paint by numbers.
1: I think I think it's, I mean, that's that's a really, a real good point and I think a lot of people miss that. And I think, yeah, there are a, a lot of, very good, but a lot of people out there, a lot of companies out there set up to sell advice and services that I, I believe is based on an outdated model. Um, but if you were to, to, to look at the way things happen now, you know, with the use of social media, you know, you and I could go off tomorrow and create a brand or something and through social media it could become massive very quickly, it, become, it could become viral, you know, we could have a store that's four stories up in a building, the door's locked, you've got to knock three times before you can get in, it, it's, it's as far from traditional conventional thinking as you can get. But there are real examples of that that suddenly become this incredibly powerful brand that everybody wants. Now that that couldn't and wouldn't have happened even just a short time ago. So I think that that's the nature of how things happen. And I think not, not just New Balance, but, but global brands um, have to understand that and reflect that. And it's not about doing it in a condescending way. It's about you know, being genuine to who you are and bringing the values and the, um, the the experience and the qualities and everything that you get with 111 years, about bringing that, but also making sure that you remain true and relevant and agile. I think agile is is something that we need to be aware of, but. We should never lose sight of the fact that you know we've got very loyal customers that have been loyal with us for 30, 40 years. Um, you, know, you, you can't suddenly just focus on millennials and ignore you know, a very loyal customer base. So global brands, um, global creative directors, you know we've got to look at it in a, in a holistic way and ensure on the one hand we're doing things which are reflective of where we need to go, but on the other hand make sure that we're let's say, coming along ensuring that more traditional um, aspects of our market are being looked after because they are a, you know, a valuable, you know, we value those customers, those individuals, and it's an important bit of business. Bob,
0: this has been a fantastic conversation because what I've really liked is that we've been able to go talk about a different race, a different methodology, a different set of values of how you go address the market. And you know, there's always the Coca-Cola's out there who are running a hype machine. And yeah. then at conferences, you'll hear their stories. You normally don't hear the people who have got a different strategy, which isn't to actually do the hype, isn't, you know, continually being uh, top of mind uh, by paying for that presence yeah. of top of yeah. mind. Um, it sounds to me that we've got a brand here in New Balance that's earned its position is continuing to earn its position both from lifestyle and performance products yeah. and so i appreciate you spend some time having you talk to us around how you are designing experiences for current retail customers and some of those lapsed customers like
1: themselves <laughs> oh, no, thanks thanks for um let, letting me chat about something i'm very passionate about um, glad to see you in hong kong look forward to seeing you again and um yeah, New Balance has been fearlessly independent since nineteen oh six and um I don't see that changing any time soon. So Fantastic. appreciate for everybody listening and speak to you soon.
0: Well, appreciate your time and as listeners as always say, hey? make sure you're driven by design.